0: This is the show for those who want to live strong in business,
1: life, and family. Welcome to the Warrior Her Podcast. My guests before, yes, and um, you're a BCBA, you're a business owner, yeah, and you're a mom, which is yes, a job in itself. Right, right. it's <laughs> a double time job, it's the hardest of the jobs. <laughs> I, <laughs> saw I got thing, a lot of jobs to compare to. I saw a thing that said, "Motherhood is the hardest hood I've lived in." <laughs> yeah. yes, and I was. I like, agree. Yeah, especially after just having this last baby, I'm like. People are like, are you done? I'm like, four kids, fuck, yes, I'm done. Yes, no, I'm, so we have to, I have a
0: 13 year old and a 17 month old. Well, my sister uh, has a 11 month old, almost one year old and she's pregnant right now. And the minute that she called me to say that she was pregnant, I realized I am not having any more kids. Like the relief that I had that it was her pregnant, not me pregnant, I was like, I'm done too. And my kids are really far apart. So it's almost like I have two only children. It's like kind of strange and cool. They have like their own totally separate lives, which I like because I can focus on, you know, like the, what each of them need, but yeah, two and I'm done. My husband and I are two all over the place for multiple children. Like four, I don't even, I can't even like
1: comprehend what that looks like in a day well when you said your sister was pregnant I thought I can't I mean just my daughter's three my youngest is three and then the newborn and I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know how anyone does it with them so close together because my older two are 14 and eight so they're, mm-hmm. they're a big distance apart too right and, but it is cool having one at kind of each stage because my son's yeah. driving soon which is terrifying mm-hmm So we've been prepping him and talking to him about like responsibility and, you know, money and finances and all that stuff. But then we have like a newborn and then most people look at me and they're like, Oh, is it your first? I'm like, no, this is number four, baby. Like I'm a pro now. Right. Right. I know
0: I'm, I'm not cut out for it. I can work
1: with kids all day
0: and never feel like overwhelmed or too much But my own children, like I, it's a lot. And I'm like, okay, this is all I've got in me.
1: (laughs) And I think too, that's one of the good things about like ethics. Like I don't really talk to my clients about anything personal because they would be like, well, you don't do it. (laughs) Like you don't have like a a daily schedule every moment of every day. And I'm like, right. You are correct. (laughs) Like I'd really try I really try, but it has given me more understanding of how to be like more supportive for people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me too. Better. How me can too. I expect these people to like have a <clears throat> when I- schedule? Parents-
0: Right. Parent training is like my favorite thing. And one of the things that I tried to tell all the parents is like, I'm never going to ask something of you that I wouldn't try myself. And I am, I struggle anyways. Like I, um, I have ADHD and I have inattentive ADHD and it's, it really affects me in, in areas of the home. Like I love work. And so sometimes I can hyper focus and get into a flow of work and work becomes like water. Like it's just, It's just no problem. Um, But then switching gears from work to home is where I struggle, like where my symptoms are higher, where things are harder. So I do, I like share that with some of my parents. Like if I'm willing to try it, I'm going to ask you to try it. And I'm not even saying that I did it with fidelity or you're doing it with fidelity, but like, let's give this a shot and we'll see how it works. You give me feedback. I'll let you know. I'll do it too. Or I've done it too. And this is how it worked. This is how it didn't. And I found that's a really helpful to the parents that I work with that I have. I am neurotypical or um, neurodivergent. My daughter is neurodivergent. My daughter, my 13-year-old has a, lots of health issues. So when I'm talking to a parent, it's like, hey, man, I'm doing this too. So let's, let's work together and see what we can, you know, do. And that has been really helpful for me, like as a mom slash practitioner, when I'm talking to these parents and I'm like, Hey, like, I know this is really difficult. These are some strategies and a philosophy that might make it easier. And that's kind of how I've approached like my, my life as a mom, but also like my career, my interactions with the families that I work with is like, let's give this a try. And I'm not going to ask anything of you that I wouldn't do myself. And that's, there's been really successful for the parents that I work with and high buy-in, you know, lower burnout, because it's like, we just have to try. Let's just see, no pressure. Let's just see. Um, and it's been successful for my families. And I think that's what kind of takes the pressure off of me is that I can share it in a collaborative, let's see how it goes. And then parents are more likely to tell me the truth. Like, you know, um, when I was younger, they may, a parent may feel like, yeah, I did all of this. Um, and it's like, no, in two weeks, the parents, like, I'm just, I didn't do it, but I didn't want to tell you that we didn't do it. Or I didn't, want, and I don't have that as much anymore. Like I've, i figured out that there's a line of like sharing yourself and trying something, but also being understanding and flexible because everybody struggles in their own way. And so it's like a philosophy slash strategy in all of my endeavors.
1: I don't think that I would have been able to apply that five years ago when I started mm-hmm. in this field. I just don't think I could have. I don't think that emotionally I had the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I was, I mean, I'm 32, but like I felt like I was very mature in some ways. And then looking back, <clears throat> I just, yeah, right. Have that capacity to. Be as empathetic as I as I could have been to some family
0: yeah yeah and that's like part of this I I think that's a good like lead-in to think like I like themes I, I like live my last life like thematically so like what if I'm doing something in one area of my life I try to like take it over into all the other areas so we can get a really good picture of what's going on and like thematically right now I've been thinking a lot about what the pandemic has done for motherhood but also what it has done to career mothers working mothers um you know and it's like very difficult on us specifically because we carry such the so much of the mental load of our family but then we have these blossoming careers we have these big work responsibilities for us in the field of ABA, it's like we have clients and their responsibilities and we're talking to those mothers who have lots going on and there's just been, a, in my opinion, a lack of empathy in like the systematic building of how motherhood and careers match. It's like no one cares that we're tired, no one cares that we're bogged down, no one cares that I'm trying to help this mother who has a child with challenging behaviors while my own child is in uh, outpatient, which that happened to me, my oldest daughter was in outpatient care. As I'm dropping her off, and then going to group therapy with her, and then going back to, um, you know, my clients, and then it's like the pandemic hits, and that's all still going on. And the world is like, mm, sorry, you signed up for this, and it's like, yeah, but I'm looking at my husband like, we have the same kids, we have the same kids. Why, why is this not expected of you? Why? why am I the one getting this? Why everyone's really understanding when dad takes off work for like the 17th doctor's appointment. Cause it's like, he's taking his kids. That's so sweet. But when I take off for the 17th doctor appointment, it's like, what, why are your kids always sick? It's like, I obviously don't want them to be like, I don't know what to tell you. This is just what we got to do. So like, I've really been focused on like lightening the load. And, and that's one of the things that I, I wanted to say on Today is like focusing on how women can lighten their load, systematize their life, get things in order because we can't do it all. And we want to do it all. And sometimes we get to look at our husbands and and boyfriends and partners and whatever's and say, like, but you get to do it all. You get to have four kids in a career. Why can't I have four kids in a career? Um, but it's like the motherhood requirements are so much
1: um that it can like stomp out the career
0: real quick if you're not careful.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the empathy part comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I even, you know, was just telling my husband like, you know, you don't understand. Like you don't understand because for me pregnancy period is a transformative experience. I think mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. are self-aware whatsoever, um and you don't change, I don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't but It it Mm -hmm. makes me, it made me reflect on everything, you know, what I was doing right, what I wasn't doing right, how I need to improve, what I can do better for myself, for my kids, for my clients, for my life, all that. But I'm like, you know, you're not forced to take time off because I literally have to be off. But at the same time, I feel like I'm not doing enough because I'm off. But yet I need to sit my ass down. (laughs) Yeah. I just had a baby. And yeah, like I'm, I might have ADHD. I wouldn't be surprised. I've never been diagnosed (laughs) with it, but I'm always doing something. Mm -hmm. I'm always doing something. And for me, the last year was like, okay, Courtney, how are you going to learn to chill out and Uh maximize your downtime. You know, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like for you, right? Some people have mm-hmm. downtime I like I go to the spa. My downtime is like reading a book or like doing a business plan. <laughs> like I, I like, like it, joke
0: mind. with some of my friends it's like downtime is like going to the grocery store alone.
1: That, like I, I
0: hate the grocery
1: store, but I get it.
0: <laughs> but it's like sometimes when it's like I need something at the grocery store, I'm like and the kids are staying here. Yeah. I'm going by myself. No one call me, no one check in. And I only have two kids. And one of my kids is pretty self-sufficient. So like, and my husband's pretty self-sufficient. And he's a help, you know, he he helps. Um, but there's still this like really hard line of like what I'm expected to do. And this is a it's something that I've been reading about and working on, and and it's hard to dive into like the mental load and what that means if you're um a mother and have any sort of responsibility whether it's a job or whatever or community service even but then there's an extra level if you are a career woman and that's what I have been like trying to dive into because there's like some people who have a job and that job is like I do this from the time I clock in till the time I clock out And it is a paycheck. And that is all I want it to be. I purposely have this job. And then there are people who have like a craft. And it's like, this is, uh, this is my craft. This is how I, you know, I work on this all the time. Um, I'm always honing my craft. And then it's like, some section of like a career. And the career goes beyond where you work. And it goes beyond the craft. It's like the bubble of like, Shelby Dorsey is a career woman. She is a BCBA and a businesswoman, whether she works for this company or this company, if she's speaking about this or this, it's all one bubble that floats with her. And so if, if you move out of job and you, and you focus in your career and your craft meet, it's like, it's 24 seven. Then what you do is 24 seven. Cause you are building something bigger than, um, you know, your day to day, your whatever. And like I, in my last couple of years have really moved from a job, which when I first became a BCBA, it was a job. Then I moved into trying to formulate a career. And now it's like a craft and a career and, Anytime I'm not clocked in, it seems like I'm still working.
1: Did you happen to see the thing that I I had posted this funny meme on Instagram, and it was like this guy's like hitting uh, the the seat, and it said the caption said like when you when you leave your nine to five to become an entrepreneur and you work from nine a.m. to three a.m. Yeah, it was like I've listened to a lot of entrepreneur stuff. One of my bigger goals in the last year was to read more instead of like Mm -hmm. social media and tv and stuff and um, a lot of the common themes are that you know you kind of pick your heart Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah working is hard and you work until you're 65 and you have maybe something to show maybe not or you work on yourself and to me it's like People will tell me even still, like, you got to slow down, Courtney, like, you just had a baby, like, be a little easy on yourself. I'm like, but I'm not where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So maybe that works for you, you know, but like, that was a big reason why I started this podcast to meet women like you to, to meet mm-hmm. women who get it, who understand like mm-hmm. the bigger goal. and And it's not just about, oh, I have this nine to five, which is great. I mean, that's great, too. Like, (laughs) Like,
0: right. Same. And, and I, it's funny that you say that because I, I love Instagram, but I reposted this thing that was like, um, don't forget that some, it's something like, don't forget that some, that you can be a self-made millionaire and keep your nine to five and one thing that I find funny um, is that when people are talking to men, the, the big theme I see is that, you know, quit your nine to five and be a full-time entrepreneur. When they're talking to men, that's the thing. But when they're talking to women, it's like, oh, you've got a family to take care of. Like what, what? and for myself, insurance, health insurance. I carry the health insurance. So my husband literally quit his job at the beginning of March. And while I supported him quitting his job and I thought it was the best for our family, there was a level of freedom that he has because he does not carry our health insurance. And we have high, like we have high health, uh, uh, whatever that like we use health insurance a lot. We have a lot of health um, needs. And so there's a freedom that he gets to quit his job because he can make the same amount of money doing all of these other things, but I'm going to have to work a nine to five, probably for at least the next 10, maybe 15 years. Like I, I know that I my plan is not to quit my nine to five, But what I get annoyed at is that there are a lot of people like me who are keeping their job because of the benefits they provide their family, whether they're a single mom or married, it doesn't really matter. But to me, there's not a lot of people saying you can follow your dreams and work a nine to five, because I understand that you still have to take care of your family. And so If we're not saying that and we're saying just quit your job to become an entrepreneur, it puts mothers and women um, in a really compromising position to me because um, if if people have listened to my other podcast, I was a single mom until I was 26. So I'm 30, 30, I'm 30. Um, I was a single mom until I was 26. My husband and I got married and then you know the rest of the story um but a lot of the ways that i approach finances is from the point of view of it is my responsibility to take care of myself and my children a man is nice but not a necessity and like that's kind of strange because my husband and i have been together for like 10 years you know like we've started dating literally 10 years in 2011. so almost my entire adult life i have had a partner Um, and a really supportive partner. But when it comes to money, it's like, no, 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 no. I, I need to make sure that I am caring for myself because that is an important value. And so when I talk to women who are like me, I like try to tell them like, don't feel bad if you have to keep your nine to five. You can keep your nine to five and have these and grow an empire. You can keep your nine to five And be fulfilled while doing these other side hustles and what, you know, all of these other things. Um, Because sometimes the nine to five is the lifeboat when you're drowning. Like it was for me. um, And if I didn't have my nine to five right now, I don't really know what we would do. Like it provides a lot of stability for the family. And I got side hustles out the wazoo, um, but none of them could replace that. And so I get a bit upset when the, the- The narrative? The narrative, yeah, is like- Fuck it, just quit it. Just, you right, it. or like, you know, don't let the man, the cubicle will kill your soul or, you know, get away from the man. You can't be happy working for somebody else's dream. And I see these things as like, while you're putting in nine to five, you're building your boss's dream whatever, and it's like, well, sure, but I'm also providing a really necessity, like a really high necessity for my family by providing them health insurance and a reliable paycheck and um, a a sustainable future because I'm able to pay our bills um, without the stress of, is my side hustle gonna come through? And then my side hustle money gets to be investments or it gets to be vacations or it gets to be student loan payment. And I just really don't think that they're, that that narrative, the the original narrative of like, you're working for your boss's dreams. I really feel like no one thought of women because we have a lot more responsibility typically. And we have the weight of a societal, like it's your job to make sure your kids are good. That belongs to us for some reason. I do not know why, but it seems like people are looking at me, like you got to take care of your kids. And then my husband is like
1: man of the year if he does. Oh, definitely. I mean, we you need know, to talk about so- that part all day. Because, uh, sure. You know, sure. it's and- like um, <laughs> I'd laugh because when I was pregnant, not this last pregnancy, but with my older daughter, my husband was taking some classes and I was finishing up my um, bachelor's at the time. And I'm pregnant, right? I'm going to university every like <laughs> four days a week. Yep. they throw him a baby shower and I'm like what the hell like how do you get a baby shower like I'm the pregnant one no one threw me a baby shower <laughs> like you know or little those little things like you know oh you're so sweet you're such a good dad you took your kid to the doctor's office but when it's no, mom, that was going to be my example that is, that has happened to us too. It's like,
0: but if the mom, like at the same time, while someone gets praised, dad gets praised for doing this mom, if I don't go to the doctor's office, then the next time I go, it's like, we haven't seen you in a while. Dad's been taking care of everything. And it's like, wait, what? We're 50, 50, man. He takes half of the doctor's appointments. I take half of, half of the doctor's appointments. Why are you harassing me about this?
1: It's the same thing and at I, school yeah yeah at school and it's completely different when it's me you know or like picking up the kids and like teachers will be like well where are you going first of all hold on a second uh-huh you're overstepping a boundary here mm-hmm. like that's none of your business Yeah. but um that's actually a great segue into just the last year with COVID-19 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You, your job was not affected, right? Because we're essential workers or was it? It
0: wasn't, but I was at a job and I started kind of nurturing a lead to a promotion or a a, a higher, um, it was a promotion, but it was in a different company in like November, January before COVID. I was coming, you know, 2019, I had my daughter in October. I was on maternity leave. And I started like nurturing a lead for a different position with a different company. And uh, it, it was a lot of negotiation. Like we, we negotiated higher pay, negotiated um, some like full remote work. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So- um, There might I be have, people who are listening who, know, who don't really who know, don't know how, how yeah, to yeah. negotiate. Absolutely, so I, I was
0: approached on LinkedIn um, by the owner and executive director of a company. And she said, I had referred some clients to this company. I, I, they just have a very good reputation. And so I had some clients that were not happy at the company I worked for. And so I referred them to this company. Well, I apparently got a glowing review from this family and I had worked with some of her staff before. So she kind of started asking about me. She messages me on LinkedIn. Hey, are you interested in a BCBA position? Da da, da. And we met for coffee and I said, you know, I just have to be honest, um, this sounds amazing, but I can't make a lateral move. I, I, I'm, I am a BCBA at an in-home company. I make this much money. This is what I have. This is, you're, you're essentially offering me the same position at a different company. And I am not in the position to move for a lateral position even and then she offered like well what if we paid you a little bit more well
1: today's episode is sponsored by Rincon investment properties a female-owned real estate company aimed at changing the way that we look at affordable housing making design and customization available to all people with all budgets if you're interested check out more at ringconinvestmentproperties.com the After taxes the str- is it the same
0: it's well but the, the, the stress <laughs> and the you know the the um like retirement changes and health benefit changes all of those take time and energy that you know it for a lateral move it's like I'll just stay here and I told her that um thank you so much but it's not something that I can do with a lateral move it's just not I would have to be up And I was like, and I'm, I would really like to move into a clinical director position. That is one of my goals as a BCBA. And so um, if you ha- ever have a clinical director position and that's something that you're interested in uh, with me in mind, please let me know. So, you know, we have a really great conversation. We talk, but we, we leave it. In a couple of weeks, she's like, hey, can we get coffee again? Yes, we go get coffee and she's like, okay, I am working as the clinical director and uh, um, executive director kind of at the same time. I'm looking for an in-home clinical director because I, I, I don't um, do clinic-based ABA at that position. I do it as a practitioner. I am not competent in that area to do it as, as a, at a clinic. So in-home is my game. And she's like, I don't have a clinical director of in home. Is this something you would be interested in? Yes, this is exactly what I would be interested in. And I say, you know, this is really important for people because I knew what I wanted. And the way I was going to leave my current job was if I was moving up, either in a big jump in pay, a big jump in freedom, meaning, all my own scheduling, all my own, whatever, all I get to pick my clients. Like if that was an option, I would stay a, a BCBA or supervising BCBA at a company or a clinical director. I don't want to work in a clinic for any, of, any company. I don't want to be what, you know, an assessing BCBA or anything like that. I want to be a supervising BCBA or a clinical director in in-home. And I told her that in my first meeting with her, you know, these are the things that I'm looking for. And I, I read, I've I read a couple of negotiation books a year. Like I try to get them in. Um, And there's one that's called Never Split the Difference that I really love.
1: I've heard of that one.
0: Yeah. And there's another one that I just can't think of at the top of my head. But if I remember it, I'll call it out. And so because I laid it out and told her exactly what I wanted, I don't know what her process was, but basically she went back to the drawing board and a month or so came at me again with a better offer. This time the position was right. The autonomy was right. The whatever was right. But the pay was not, um, was not what I would, I don't know how to say, I want to say not what I would accept, but that can, that can be a little misconstrued. It was more like I did my market research for the area and the pay was a little under the market research for the position that I would be taking and the responsibilities that I would be required to handle. And so, um, we talked about that. And she gave me the number. And I basically said, like, let me think about it. Um, Let me, let me like, let me ask you some questions about what this job, like in the same meeting, let me ask you some questions. So she told me about that they have some reimbursements, like mileage reimbursements or this re and, you know, and knowing myself as a person, I am not very good with um, like the paperwork, like monotonous paperwork, like doing the same paperwork every day actually makes paperwork harder. I do a much better job with novel paperwork than the same paperwork over and over. So something for me, like tracking my miles is very, very hard for me. I just, it doesn't work well. And so I know this about myself. And I also know that tracking expenses, while I do love finances and money, tracking expenses is busy work. It is really difficult to do all of these things that I was going to be required to do, and also keep paper pencil record because she didn't use any kind of app system. Paper pencil record of my reimbursements. Yeah. So, I basically asked to go to the bathroom in the middle of it. Like I'm going you know, go to the bathroom, take my phone, and I sit in the Starbucks bathroom, figuring about how much these expenses are going to be a year. Okay, so if, if you have a $200 max for this and a this for this and a this for this, then that equals, um, it, it equaled about $8,000. So when I go back out there, I say, okay, while I was in the bathroom, I thought about this. And the things that I would be reimbursed for is about $8,000. Um, I could come to this position for $10,000 more. And in our contract, you will not have to reimburse me for this, this, this. I won't do any reimbursement. I won't ask for my mileage to be reimbursed. I won't ask for this nothing. Um, all I will take care of everything of that on my own. And she was like, "Hmm, that is a very interesting proposition." Um, and she was like, "Okay, okay, let me let me think about that." Let me think about that. I said, okay, sounds great. We chat a little more. We in the meeting at Starbucks. About three days later, she emails me back and is like, I'll do it. That works for me. No, no, neg- like she didn't even give me like, no, let's do the, da, 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 da. it's only 8,000, but you're asking for 10,000 more. Um, she, it worked for her too, because if I have less paperwork, like all of these little things that that was gonna require I was gonna get the eight thousand dollars, anyways, but it was gonna be so much extra busy work on both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so she says yes, and I get the the amount that I, you know, right in the ballpark of what I really thought that the job um, should pay. But then also, I just immediately cut like three hours a week or more of busy work that would have been required for this job. And so it, you know, that is happening like December, January, in February, my daughter or end of January, my daughter has a health crisis that requires me to like quit my other job a little bit early. So I quit my other job early. My new job is going to start on April 6th of 2020 pandemic hits in March. So actually when the pandemic hit, I didn't have a job. I was moving. We were transitioning to new company, and the company that I work for now, this new company, um, was hit pretty hard because we're a very small company. And
1: did they have to lay anybody off? They, did they didn't lay.
0: They didn't lay anybody off, but everyone company wide got a ten percent pay decrease. Okay, but. We were all remote. Everybody's hundred percent remote. So my pay gets cut so by expensive. 10%, but I don't have any expenses. So I still end up on top of that base salary. And I like, oh, at the time, you know, because she's like, sends me this email, you know, you're going to start at a reduced rate. I hope that's okay. Your job's gonna look a bit different. It's da da da. da, da. So I I say okay can we kind of we like renegotiate parts of this and I said you know after covid can I say 100% remote She's like yeah we can make that happen I'm like okay I I will literally I will bust my ass to to coordinate cuz the whole company had to go remote at the time and I'm the new clinical director so I'm making I'm helping everybody go remote and I don't know why she believed in me. I don't know if somebody told her something good. She's a my my executive director is like a a woman of few words. And so I have no idea why she believed in me. So I, I wish I could tell you, like, oh, I did this and that impressed her. I've no idea. But she was agreeable. And so I got a 10, you know, 10% pay cut, but I also was still on top of what I had asked for, led this very strange remote transfer and negotiated my way into a full-time remote position. And it wasn't as easy as me saying like, hey, I want to go remote. And her saying like, okay. There was discussion about why can we be remote? What can I provide the company remote? How can I make sure no one fails? Is there going to be a time when I have to drive to a place? What is this? You know, all of those were conversations, but I pre-thought, you know, I I lined out what I could do and what my strengths were. um, And I know what my weaknesses are. So... This remote move plays to my strengths. The previous, you know, requirements were actually some of the things that I struggle with. So I shined when COVID hit because I work from home. I love working from home. I've worked from home for a couple of years. I am very comfortable doing online meetings. I'm very comfortable leading via text, email, whatever. That's not a problem for me. And so we worked it out. And it, it, it was like, I won't say it was seamless, but it was a really nice transition. So your question was like, was your job affected by COVID? Yeah, but we made it work. <laughs> and I, I actually think that COVID, for all of the really horrific things that it has done, one of the, the important aspects that I think it's going to bring to the American workforce is I've been doing telesupervision and telehealth for several years pre-COVID. And I had always been interested in this online working. Up, I mean, even in 2014-15. I'm interested, I'm learning about it. And a lot of the companies that I've worked for have these unnecessary in-person requirements that is a waste of time, energy, and company resources. And moving to a more online version is like, especially with ABA, like I was driving two hours to one of my client's houses, two hours there, two hours back. The company is losing four hours and BCBAs are high billable, like it's a high hourly rate. Yeah. So if if the insurance is reimbursing $120 an hour for us or whatever it is, that's over $500 a day that I'm driving burning up. And those are the kind of conversations that I had with my executive director. We are paying BCBAs to drive to houses when parent training, is specifically parent training because our parents were polled and they said they prefer online parent training. So not only do they prefer online parent training but it's costing us money to send our BCBAs out there. So, so kind of like leading into all of this, it's being really aware of what it works, what you need, what your company needs, what works best, and then using that as a tool of negotiation. Because the whole point is, the negotiation is, is you're trying to make it better. So if you're gonna negotiate for a $15,000 raise, you better have a very clear idea of what makes you $15,000 more expensive and like so that. for me, for me, I thought the expenses are $8,000 and she's going to pay those anyways. So I really only have about two grand of Shelby money. And that's not a hard sell. I'm I'm um, qualified. I work hard. I want to be here. I, you know, all of these things. So I just got to sell myself on that, build in a $10,000 negotiation and I'm selling it with with my soul, you know, I'm convinced that this is what I, that this is what I'm worth. And I'm even willing to have explicit examples. So for people listening who are uh, ABA or behaviorist, it's like, not only am I selling a dream, but I'm, I have a, a list of action items. I have a list of goals. I have a list of, um, a task list of what I will be doing so that you can see this is, you know, this is where we're going. This is what we're gonna to do to get there. This is what we need. This is what we're... And that was really helpful in the negotiation because it's really hard to argue with. And she is also a BCBA. So it wasn't like I was talking to some...
1: Just like a vester hiring person. that doesn't
0: understand or a recruiter and, and, you know, no disrespect to recruiters because I've, I've been hired through recruiters before. Um, But that power of negotiating is like knowing your industry and knowing what you provide and then using that to say, these are the data points. I also really, you know, preach, I guess maybe the right word that you should always know what your market value is in, in your area. So like, I don't live in the Dallas Fort Worth area of Texas. I live in West Texas. However, my market is the Dallas Fort Worth market. So when I price myself, I'm pricing Dallas Fort Worth. I'm not pricing small town, middle of nowhere. Why? Because my service is going to be done there. And so I know what clinical directors make in my com- in my area. I know what BCBAs make. I know what RBTs make. I know what companies bring in. I know who, you know, who are the big investors and what are companies selling out for? Because my, uh, The business that I work for is owned by our executive director. And I have to know that we need to be in the green so she don't sell us to some capital venturist that just wants an ABA company. So then when my, you know, when my employees come to me and it's like billable hours, all anybody cares about is billable hours. Then I can very confidently say the reason that billable hours are so important is because we have to be in the green. We have to make this business work so that we don't have to be bought out by venture capitalists who have money from other places to invest. Then you're really going to be talking billable hours. And then when I say that, everybody's like, oh, I, I, I never talked to a BCBA who was pro billable hours and, and, and was
1: transparent and under, but about, you understand the business. I didn't fully yeah. understand the business until I started making my own business plan for my own company and realizing, yeah. first of all, holy crap, there's so much money to be made. But then mm-hmm. second of all, this is why BCBAs are paid this way. I personally think RBTs can be paid more. That's my own opinion. Um, well, and that I want to do when I open my company is pay them competitively.
0: One of the... Um things that I love so much about the current company that I work for is, um, we, so I was a special education teacher and um, we pay comparable rates to teachers, which teachers are underpaid, okay? I, I do understand that. But also our RBTs don't have anything to take home. There's no parent-teacher conferences. There's no principals yeah. being da, 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 da. You get paid for what you're there for. So I have a lot of RBTs that come from education and leave to become an RBT and we pay them enough that they don't have to take a pay cut from going from a special education teacher to an RBT. Do you know what kind of quality services I'm able to give with those kinds of RBTs? Holy cow, my RBTs are yeah. brilliant. Like they really are. And half the time when I'm in a meeting with them, I'm like, you really need to get your BCBA. You really, you just need to do that. Or BCABA, we have some BCABAs too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really should do this because you're really gifted. But it, if you understand the business part of it, if you understand the business part of your nine to five, then you can become more competitive at that nine to five. So yeah, every billable hour that I work is making my boss money. Sure, I don't mind my boss making money. Good for her she got a lot of other stuff to worry about in this company that I don't have to worry about because I clock in and I clock out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm not liable. I don't have all these other things. I don't have the planning. And so what I, what I focus on is if I understand the business, then when my market rate goes up, I'm gonna ask for a raise. I'm gonna negotiate something else. I'm gonna, whatever these things that are important to me, I'm gonna stay in the know And my boss knows I'm in the know. So I get, she talks to me a bit more transparently than maybe someone who doesn't know the business that may take her words out of context. We have to have billable hours, Shelby. Everybody has to hit their hours. We we will be in the red if they do not. And to another person that might take that as like, ah, they don't even care about the kids. It's like, no, we do care about the kids. And that's why we have to make sure everybody
1: can get paid. Yes. And I think that also back to that narrative of the nine to five is that, Mm -hmm. you know, as a business owner, and I only know this for people who are listening, who've never heard the show. I had a gym. It was an epic fail, but I tell everyone it was the best $30,000 mistake I had to make. Yeah. Yeah. Punish all of those behaviors that I did not like terrible, but sure, I had to learn Mm -hmm. certain things that I wasn't planning for. And as an owner, you have so much more responsibility and you're paying more in taxes. So all the things, you know, as an employee that I was selfish about that I didn't understand prior, I now understand, but it's also something that I can't unsee. So now I'm like, Oh, (laughs) Okay. All right, so I understand how this business works. I understand what the expenses are. I understand how much you're actually making when a BCBA is is doing billable hours, how much RBTs are bringing in. I know where that spread is. So I know for sure you're getting paid $50, $60 an hour for an RBT and you're paying some of these RBTs $15 an hour. That's great. That's just like, Mm -hmm. I'm not with that, but.
0: And I also think, you know, that's a good, something that I really believe in is like working for a company that you believe in. So when I have worked for companies that I didn't believe in, I did carry like a salty nature about how much money they were making off my labor. That, that's a real thing that I worry about is this is my labor and I'm getting paid um, $35 an hour and you're making 120 off of me. That's wild. But then if I work for a company that I trust that I believe in, maybe they're making $120 and I'm making $35, but instead they are, um, you know, they're paying, they're doing grant programs, they're doing free parent training, they're doing um, some kind of community outreach. So the difference of my $135 or my 35 to my 120, all that is going back into the community. I, I'm with that. I'll do that because I'm learning a lot. Or maybe they're, they're paying us a lot of edu- for education expenses, lots of CEUs, lots of you know, training, lots of whatever. Then I can say, you know what? Me taking a lower rate is an investment in myself because this company is providing me so much. And so I have a part-time job that I work um, on Tuesdays. And part, like I work on Tuesdays at this job and I work in the morning of Thursdays at this job. And, and that's my real rate, $35 an hour as a BCBA is my real rate for that job, okay? I, it's not just billable hours though. When I clock in, that's my rate. They do, I have amazing access to professionals in the field. I have amazing access to CEUs. I have amazing access to webinars and professionals and that they provide for free. I have amazing leadership and mentorship. They do, they're a nonprofit. So any, they bill, we bill insurance, but any money they get from that billing goes into a community fund or to, you know, serve children with grants who don't have insurance. I'm going to take, I take $35 for that. That's a major pay cut for any other kind of job that I would ever have. If, if you are in the ABA world, that's a pay cut. However, I keep the job and I work it just as hard because I'm getting a lot out of those, you know, 10 hours a week that I work there. And so if, if you're working for a company that you believe in, I'm not salty about the low pay. Well, you have other if
1: reinforcers you, available too. Sure. It's exactly. not just the money. And,
0: And my motivation is crafting my skill. That's what I really like. I I want to be the best. My nine to five pays me what I'm worth, but there's almost no learning opportunities available. I am in charge there. So I am giving learning opportunities. I'm not getting learning opportunities. This other job, I'm surrounded with BCBADs. I'm surrounded by other PhD students. I'm surrounded by PhDs. I'm surrounded by autism experts. ADHD experts, da da It's a university setting. It's amazing. Um, and uh, in, in the DFW area where I work, is like the the part time job is known for like low rates. Like if anybody ever talks about them, like yeah, but they don't pay anything. And I used to think, why would somebody work there then? And then I got an opportunity to be involved in a project, and I'm like, oh my gosh, well this is an investment in myself. The money allows uh, me to drive there or allows me a little wiggle room so that I can adjust my schedule or have a babysitter because if I'm not working my nine to five on Tuesdays, then I have to work it on Saturdays. You know what I mean? So, so there's like, I think in all of this, one of the things I want to get across is like, if you understand yourself, if you know yourself and know what your purpose is and, and know what you're trying to get to, then you can maneuver things in a manner that makes um, your life a bit more Efficient, and then that's like the theme wraps right back around into like the mental load. Is I have a house cleaner, I don't like cleaning the house, I would rather work extra than clean the house. So, you know what, I do I schedule consult meetings at the same time that my house cleaner comes, and it's an even trade. What I'm charging for my consult is the same amount she charges me for cleaning and I do it at the same time she comes. Why? I love consulting. I hate cleaning the house. My time is better spent consulting. I'm honing a craft, I'm happier, my family's happier, everybody's happier. Do I make any money during Saturday mornings or Sunday mornings when I'm consulting? No, it's a flat trade. I'd rather be consulting than cleaning the house though. And that makes it worth it for me, it also lowers my, mental low, lowers my burnout, lowers everything that I don't like. I just
1: put it somewhere else. Yeah. I think that's, um, there's so many other things we're probably gonna have to schedule another one. And then I'll, i know we, right? didn't even, we didn't even talk about fresh press. We didn't talk about your real estate, Yes, which is like, I know you had a big, uh, like, was it a flood or something? Yeah, so we had a huge winter
0: storm. So I have rent houses. I have three rent houses. We had a winter storm. And where we live, it got down to negative like five. We usually have winters that are like 35. So all, like, all of the pipes around town busted. We didn't have water for 10 days. We didn't have electricity for four days while my renters were not home. When I text them to check on them, they said that they were home, said that everything was okay, no big deal. Two weeks later, 10 days maybe later
1: thanks for listening to the warrior her podcast don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode go like subscribe rate and leave a review on itunes until next time warriors remember girls really do run the world